everybody. It's Pastor Josh here. We're uh, in the middle of the midweek podcast. We're in the middle of the week, so this is very exciting. Uh, and today, we're going to do the third installment of our Vista series, and I have a guest with me, and it's Terry Brown. Some of you know Terry, some of you don't, but uh, Terry's a great guy, a uh, mm-hmm. great dad, great husband. He's also uh, a very, very shoot from the hip kind of person, and I really like that about him. So Terry, welcome to the podcast. Hello. How's it going? Good. I yeah. do not like this sort of thing. Yeah, so I, 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 I can tell. I, I this, know. But we'll know. You're, you're just the kindest person yeah. ever. Yeah. So uh, our Vista series has been about the Bible, how to engage it. Uh, what does that look like in people's lives? This last weekend, I, I got to preach, which was a lot of fun. And uh, we just talked about practical things of resources and what does that look like and how scripture actually elevates us to see from God's perspective. But the reason I wanted to talk to you was because you have a, you have a really interesting story. Uh, just when it comes to the Bible and some things that have happened in your life. And so what's your story from, for the, for the average person that doesn't know it, what has gone on in your spiritual life that has brought you to where you are today? Okay. Um, when I was young, my parents were not Christians, so I didn't become a Christian until I went to Bible camp mm-hmm. when I was, well, I don't know, 12-ish or something like that. I think before that, uh, my mom had talked to me when I was younger, when she first became a Christian. And so we were pretty fresh. Like, neither of my parents would have known the Bible very well mm-hmm. as a kid. They would have been learning right alongside me as a kid. And we were in a small town church. Um with you know really good people farm people everybody was it was a small town and and basically all i learned was from sunday school i dominated at bible bafflers and that sort of thing all the games bible bafflers, bible bafflers yeah but it was all name it was (laughs) it was all trivia and uh and bible stories and that sort of thing yeah um so then at camp Probably several different camps. I remember doing the whole go to the front and give your life to Jesus thing. Yeah, yeah. And and then eventually I ended up in Karenport for grade 12, high school, and two years of Bible college okay. after that. So in Bible college, if I were to go back, yeah. I would listen more, I think, <laughs> and goof around just a little bit less. Um, but I, I did learn while I was there, and I did read the Bible as a teenager sure. and things like that. Yeah. But the idea of context or like the whole historical grammatical that you talked about yeah, on yeah. Sunday, I had never, I don't know, I didn't give it much thought. Sure. I'm sure they talked about it at Bible school. Sure. Um, you were having a good time playing hockey, doing all that kind of stuff. Found a wife, bridal right. college. Bridal college, yeah, yes. Went home, okay. yeah, carried on yeah. with life. But um, so in our, I think for me where it all kind of hit the fan, so to speak, is uh, first year marriage. So all of a sudden, I had a pretty easy life. You know, mom and dad were successful and stuff and good parents and all that sort of thing. But I hadn't really been challenged. Yeah, There was temptations, that sort of thing, which I was fairly pathetic at. But Mm -hmm. um, then all of a sudden, we're married for a year. And I got married young. I was 20. Jackie was 18, which is... (laughs) scary to think of when my daughter is now 15 but yeah it's terrifying it's terrifying terrifying. and um but anyway so all of a sudden you jam two people in a house together that are both incredibly selfish sure and we fought like cats and dogs and we 
we <laughs> it was it was quite the experience. But anyway, first year was the worst year. So um, we've been married what eighteen years now. I better get that right. Two thousand one. It's it. You're you're recording this. You better get it right. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so that that's kind of where we were at, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason. I started to question everything when yep. I was about 20-ish, I guess, 21. And to step back a, a, a little bit, my mom had started going to lots of conferences and things like that mm-hmm. in my teenage years, later teenage years. We're talking Benny Hinn, okay. or Toronto Blessing. That feel, yeah. That whole 90s Pentecostal. Sure. And um, I attended some of those, and... I remember going to the front. I remember getting prayed for. I remember things spoken over me. Um, I remember a lot of crazy things yeah. that went on at some of that stuff. Yeah. I remember my dad being at a uh, a meeting and a man praying over him to speak in tongues. And my dad is really level-headed business guy. He's not going to do anything just because somebody tells him to do it. Sure. And they literally stood over him and just kept on jamming away and they weren't going to stop until he is he is either slain in the spirit or speaking in tongues or whatever and i remember as a kid watching that like maybe i was like 16 and (laughs) i'm just like when are they going to let up and then eventually just pushed him over right yeah yeah so that's kind of the background that i came out of there's lots of uh spiritual experiences lots of emotional things that were going on kind of and then I had this home church that is really the opposite of that. Right. Um, very low key. Um, yeah. A lot of people who've been Christians for a very long time, right. who have been through it all, who are, you know, in their 60s, 70s, that sort of thing. Right. And not a lot of people my age at that church either. So that's kind of what I came out of. So it was a lot of experience, a lot of words spoken. And then as I hit 19, 20, and I'm going to different conferences or different things like that. People would speak words over me and I'm not living the life I wanted to live. Sure. Christian wise. Yeah. And things were just not going as rosy as Christianity is supposed to go. Right. From what I had heard. Right. Give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be Everything's going to be just fantastic. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. And, um, and then I'm in this house and I, I thought I was a decent human being, but when you get when you get married, you find out you're actually not yeah, a yeah, decent yeah. human being at all. Yeah, you're yeah. actually terrible. You're very selfish. Very person. selfish. Yeah, absolutely. and um, and so that's and all of a sudden I'm seeing these things about myself, and I've got every other thing under the book like that I that I'm thinking of, and and all of a sudden I go from you know I was pretty cocky yeah. as a teenager, and probably after, and maybe still a little bit, but sometimes, 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 but. Um, this view of myself that I was a decent human being and all of a sudden this view of myself that I'm a worthless human being. Sure. And, and I, yet I would go to these church things or different church events and people would always talk positively about me because I could, I could talk and get along with people. Okay. And put on a pretty good front when I needed to or whatever. And, and, and even words would be spoken over me, all these these words of great things, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yet I would go home and I'd look in the mirror and I'm like, this is BS. Yeah. Like, that guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. Sure. And 
and I would get asked. I remember at my brother's wedding, I spoke, and I must have done an okay job of the speech or whatever. And then, then after, everybody's just being ridiculous, fawning over me, and it's this whole Christian thing, and they want me to to pray as the the prayers of a brother and all this. Like it was just whatever. Like what? Like was there a point where, I, with all the flattery and all that stuff, you thought? I'm supposed to go into ministry or anything like that. Um, there was stuff said like that, but right. it was more to me. It was more confusing because sure. it was, it was like if I go into ministry, I'll destroy people right, right, right now right, because right. I, <laughs> I'm not a good <laughs> right. human being. Right, right, right. Yet, yet people were totally just whatever. So I remember it was on my parents' deck and being asked by a guy who's now my friend actually, but but he asked me to to do this and he said all these wonderful things and. Deep down inside, I'm like, you you have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And then when when you're when I'm all alone at home and I look in the mirror, I'm just no. Yeah. I need people to stop BSing me and just tell me that I'm a bad human being yeah. because that's how I feel. So that's where I was at. And and things weren't going the greatest. And all of a sudden, a buddy of mine from school invited me to go to this praise and worship thing in Saskatoon. Okay. This is way back in 2002, probably now. And uh, so we we drive in. We're living hour and a half, two hours out of the city. Drive into this praise and worship night. And and, uh, and I get, you know, it's open to go up for prayer or whatever. Yep. And I'm, I'm guilt-ridden and every other thing. Yeah. And uh, chewing tobacco at the time, hiding it from my wife. Just... Couldn't, yeah, and I, I want, you know, all these things that I wanted to quit and whatever else. Anyway. Just chewing the backy, eh? Yeah. 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 Playing hockey, chewing the backy. <laughs> um, Saskatchewan. So anyway, I go up to the front and I get prayed over. I start bawling like a baby and yeah. and whatever. And, and the guy who prayed over me after sits down beside me and basically calls me out on all my crap. Yeah. And... It sounds strange, but it was awesome. It was sure. just like finally somebody isn't yeah, yeah. BSing me yeah. and telling me the truth. So we started going back there and started going week after week. And and off the start, it was pretty darn, darn good. Yeah. And I quit chewing and a few other things. I was actually able to open up and tell people about things that I never felt comfortable telling Christian people about because sure. we're all supposed to look so shiny and yeah, yeah. everything's supposed to be perfect. And a bunch of people being open and honest all around me. And there was a 12-step part of that group. Yep. Like it was, uh, it had stemmed kind of out of AA originally. And, and so there was that 12-step portion. And I kind of dove into that and, and read some of the literature from AA and mm-hmm. all that. And ended up getting a sponsor and all these sorts of things. Um, that, is, that is a long time ago now. Sure. And we kept going back and forth to the city and, and got totally wrapped up and made really good friends. And yeah, it was, it was neat to be around people who are willing to just be open and honest and, and not perfect all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. Th- and this group became your whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We started, we started originally coming in on Tuesday nights. So we would drive in. So how it how I originally went there, we got invited. My mom went there. My mom had kind of, like I say, gone through the whole Benny Hinn stuff. Yeah. And some of that had kind of destroyed our family somewhat. Because mm-hmm. she she got wrapped up in that a little bit. And uh, and so I was a little bitter at, at that. Sure. She went to her first meeting and same thing. She she went up to the front and she got called out on her crap too. 
So the next day I get up to go to work. It's like 630 in the morning. My mom's on my on my doorstep. She's crying. Yeah. And she just wanted to apologize for everything she's done to me and, wow. and all the the Christian stuff that kind of got carried away and whatever. And, and the kind of the pressure that had been put on me or or some of the guilt. You know, we're in same stuff, right? You don't listen to any non-Christian music. You, yeah, yeah. You do everything just right. And yeah. the do's and the don'ts, yeah, right? Totally. And apologize for all that. And so for me, I was like, what is going on here? I got to go check this out. What happened to my mom? So that's how I ended up in there. So before you know it, we got... Jackie and I, so my wife and I, uh, my brother and his wife, my other brother and my sister. So there's four of us kids and mom and dad. And we're all going in there, traveling back and forth. My couple siblings live in the city or one lives in the city at that time. And, and one is in Karenport, two in Karenport and they're driving back and forth. Yeah. So anyway, and it, it did. We started just going to Tuesday nights. Um, we were there for for, it was really good off the start. It was really good and really good people. There's still really good people there. And um, yeah, and just slowly as time went on off the start, it was just praise and worship and go for prayer and go yeah. home basically, which for me was great because I I was really tired of the pressure. Yeah. Like having to raise your hands or feeling the pressure to go to the front and get prayed for or whatever. Right. Just maybe speak in tongues, whatever the thing was, right? The pressure of the day. And so to go there and just sit and praise God or just go for prayer or just be quiet for me was great. Yeah. And then, uh, like I say, the 12-step thing was really good, uh, being able to talk to people and having somebody I trust that I could mm-hmm. talk to all the time. Being open with people was really good. And, and this went on for about four, five, six months, and then all of a sudden um, I'm home at Christmas and my brother is packing up to head in on a Thursday night. And I said, where are you going? We are in the shop at the farm, and he's like, I'm going into a meeting. I said, a meeting for what? And uh, the, it was Lamb of God was the name of the place. And, uh, and he's like, I'm going in. And I said, well, why am I not going in? Yeah. And then I found out that he said, well, we got invited. I'm sure you'll be invited someday. So I'm the oldest in the family, so this is my younger brother. Right. Which... Instantly, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. If he gets to go, why do I not get to I'm go? I'm much more handsome than he is. That, <laughs> that's that's right. what you're thinking. And uh, so anyway, so now I'm inquisitive about it. Yeah. Sure enough, um, I started asking about it. And then it was probably only three weeks later, I'd, I got my invite. It, and it was a big decision whether you want to come in on a Thursday night. Wow. And, and of course, we did. It was no decision for me at all, really. Right. Because I want to know what it is. And I remember going in there and it was kind of like a, it was like a Tuesday night meeting that we had gone to before, but it was a little more intense. Okay. And it was more speaking and then more articles, like they'd be articles. There was articles written by a man by the name of Art Katz uh, out of the States. And there was more uh, things of the spirit, so to speak, articles about that. I don't know, without getting into it all. And I remember these are things I hadn't really heard before. Right. Then there started to be more, like I love uh, the news and news events and whatever. And I've always followed the news. I'm a nerd that way. And um, well, even when I was a teenager or whatever, like news talk radio. And and there started to be more current event talks. Right. And then it was more kind of uh, the end of the age type right. talk, like things like that. And it was almost... 
that sort of thing where it interested me. I hadn't really heard any of this before and I listened. But another thing that happened was I'm sitting in a meeting on a Thursday night and it's the first time I ever saw public chastisement. Okay. And all of a sudden, uh, the guy running the meeting, um, Stan, starts yelling at my friend and screaming at him. And, and it was for something that most people listening would think is really insignificant. Sure. It was basically not setting things up right or, sure. or whatever. I remember going home and I'm wor- at work the next day and I'm just thinking, what was that? Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody said anything during, during the, the screaming or the. No, yelling. no, no. Right, he right. was, and he accepted it and he right. apologized and he was sure. like, he took it and like, it was a really good thing. Yeah. And, but it's the first time I'd really seen it that I remember. Maybe I had, but my memory, that's the first time. Right. And I really respected this guy. Like he, he was a friend of mine from way back and, and he'd been going to this Thursday night meeting longer than me. And so I remember going back and, and just being like, what the heck is going on? Like, what mm-hmm. is that? And I've never seen anything like that. But then, then Buddy, it seems like it was really good for him. He seemed sure. to appreciate it. He thanked Stan for saying that and, and thanked him for the chastisement. And, and so then I got a call from him the next day, my friend. And, and he called. He's like, hey, how you doing, bud? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, good. And, and he said, Hey, I, I know you're there last night or whatever. I just was going to, you know, let you know that I'm really thankful for what happened. And he kind of explains all this mm-hmm. and, you know, I got sin inside of me and I, I want to deal with this and get better. And, yeah. and so I'm thankful to be called out on it and kind of explained it. And, and so I, like in my mind, you just got this back and forth going on. Like I've never seen anything like this yet. It was really good. I see the, you know, in quotations, the good fruit that's yeah. coming from this and he wants to change and get better and whatever. And yeah, it just kind of, all of a sudden it got me thinking, well, I don't know, maybe that's okay. Well, so I just kept going to, it's a frog in the boiling pot of water, right? right? right. So I kept going to meetings and, and I would see more and more of this. Well, it's not too long down the road and I'm receiving it. Right. So I'm, I'm being chastised and I'm being thankful for being chastised and and I'm fast forwarding now, like months and years, but so, so just, so your, your start was really about experience. Uh, you know, so I, I come from a similar kind of background that way when it comes to church uh, and my parents came to the Lord a lot later, but uh, in terms of the, the group that we, we had fallen into, like it was very experiential and not, not as much biblical, um, Hey, let's let's actually dive into the Bible, see what the Bible says, and how does that influence what we do? It was more you need to experience Jesus, which I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there was there wasn't that. It seems like you came from that as well, mm-hmm. and then you jumped into this group. And how, what was the use of the Bible like at at that point with that? So, yeah, so those things are going on, but there was always scripture used, always scripture, always like and probably more scripture read than I had even heard in church growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Way more. And, but there would be things like, and again, this is hindsight, right? But, but there's things I remember back, like we would have our Bibles with us Mm -hmm. and we would get told not to read it ahead in our Bible. But 
So say, say it again, not to what read ahead. So not to read ahead. Like, okay, yeah, so, yeah. so Stan might say, okay, we're going to read this article today. So right. it might be like, I had mentioned that guy, Art cats or whatever. Right. And, th- and that's not biblical. Like that's not a, that's not a Bible. Uh, that's an article. That's just somebody. That's writing. an article. Okay. But our cats would refer to the Bible. Yeah. And it was a community called Ben Israel that lived together down in Minnesota. Okay. And this guy, he was part of the Kansas city prophets. Yeah. Some of those things, right? That sure. Art Katz had connection to. Actually, it goes way back to the Latter Rain movement, which started in North Battleford and moved on to Branham, Branhamism and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's all yeah, in the yeah. same vein. So, so we would read tons of scripture, tons of it, yeah. and but we would we would proof text, right? Sure. We, which we we would hop around and grab certain scriptures. Very, very rarely, other than maybe at Easter, we'd read the whole Easter passage or. At Christmas, we wouldn't really do that very often, but lots of times because there was a Catholic background to that, you'd do the Holy Thursday and right. and read all of that, right? So, so, but we had our Bibles with us all the time, and say Stan would be talking about something, and and he would see somebody, like for example, I'm maybe listening to the sermon on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I I start reading the scriptures that that you mention or that are up on the mm-hmm. the board or whatever, and I might when you're done reading that portion, you might continue talking, but I might read another three, sure. four verses or, yep. or whatever while I'm sitting there. So he would see that at the front, and then it would be like, no, you don't read ahead. You need to stay in the spirit. You need to stay where we're at here. Okay. And the same thing with articles. Right. You, an article would come out, and it, I, and you would be, don't get ahead of the spirit. That's what a thing would be said. Don't okay. get ahead of the spirit. Wait. Uh, because it needs to be brought in a certain whatever, which which would mean we needed to basically hear from Stan right. first. And what started to be spoken to us lots around that the early days was about the religious spirit. Okay. And so there's tons of people that are still in, in that group that I, I was in, still a part of that body or whatever, ministry. And lots that were Christians for 40, 50 years. Right. There's a couple pastors there that quit their churches. So, so when you there. say religious spirit, what like what what does that mean? What what did what did what did the group mean by religious spirit? So some of those things that I talked about that that I had trouble with yeah. early, he called us out on that. Okay. So the trying to be holier than thou, trying okay. to prove that we know a whole bunch by using terms like sanctification, justification, whatever, right. like all all the big theological language, yeah, like. Yeah. All these things that that so many of us as Christians will try and use it to one up other people, right? Mm-hmm. And he would call us out on that stuff, and and he would hear it in our language when we would we wouldn't just talk like normal human beings. We would talk, and and when he would say that, I'm I'm like, that's true. Yeah, like that bothers me too. And that was very attractive to you. It was very attractive right, to me right. at that point, and um, and so that was the religious spirit. So then it, it started to be teachings about those certain things which would basically have us always looking at ourselves and picking apart the sin in our lives right. type of thing. The other thing there would be different scriptures like Jesus didn't come to abolish the law but came to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Which I now would understand like what fulfill actually meant, but sure. when I was there that meant that look at so he would talk about all the sin out there. So you look at Christians and they're just sinning all the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is true, like sure. whatever. But, and I would look at myself and we were always taught to only look at our, you know, you don't look and judge everybody else, look at your own life. Yep. And so that would be talked about. So a lot of the laws, like no tattoos, 
no, you know, Leviticus 19. Right. Piercings. Yeah. Um, you yeah. name it, right? Whatever that, it is. Yeah. The, the topic of the day. And, and that was the scripture that was used for that. Okay. And that was to basically open up the whole law again and pick and choose which laws that we You're were going to fall on, right. under. Wow. So, so that was, so scripture was used though. And, and we read scripture and I, I read my Bible. Um, I felt the need to read my Bible. Yep. But often, and we would always get talked to about or suggested, it was always suggestions to highlight verses. So there'd be, I had a Bible that I have since gotten rid of since I left. Okay. And the reason I had to, or the reason I did, I think I probably still have in the basement, is I had all these verses highlighted. Right. And so I would go through, and it's all fire, it'd be fire and brimstone verses, right? And and I I had those all all through there. And and when I would read, those are the verses that we would we would zero in on. Right. Like, and as we were there longer and longer, First Corinthians is it where it talks about being single. First Corinthians seven. Paul says it's good to be single. Yeah, I think so. Oh well, I I don't know right off the cuff. Yeah, no problem. Somewhere, there. but um, that was a a teaching that that came. So all of a sudden, um, and there there's a hundred of us there. Sure, right. And like, really, where my heart was at, and I believe the hearts of everybody there was, we we honestly wanted to follow Jesus. We honestly wanted to follow Absolutely. God. Yeah, and. We didn't want to be full of sin. We wanted to be without spot and blemish, those sort of things, yeah, right? Sure. Um, but but kind of what went on in the, in the meantime. And so there was a teaching that came about um, 1 Corinthians 7, how it's better to be single. Yep. And where that led to was then a, a group of young women or sisters or whatever getting together and deciding as a group if they wanted to remain single. Right. Which they did. And now that I've learned lots about group, con, uh, you know, group dynamics and, and different things like that since I've left, I realize that you're always going to, you're always going to end up to the most extreme, right? Because right. when you're in a group of thirty people, if somebody's like, "I'm going to be this holy," nobody's going to say, "Well, I'm not." Right. Yeah. You right. be you be holy, but I'm just going to kind of sure. do my own thing. Sure. You always because everybody, think, yeah. yeah, you up it, and so so that group of women made a decision and eventually the guys that weren't married, I was married already going into the group. They made a decision as a group that they were going to remain single for the rest of their lives. Okay. And, um, and to this day, that's, that's what they do. And when that decision was, was made, then Stan said, well, now that you've made that decision, I'm, I have to, like, I'm responsible to help you live up to that. Yeah. And, and what proceeded from there was, I remember seeing girls get yelled and screamed at because Stan found out they had given their phone number to somebody. Sure. I remember one person having to change her phone number like three different times. And we would just get an email in the group that would say, hey, blah, 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 I changed my number. And we all knew, oh, she must have given her number to a guy again or she must be yeah. flirting with a guy. And... So fast forward 10, 15 years. I was there 13 years, I think. And we left three years ago, uh, January 18th, mm-hmm. 2000. And what would that be? 16, I guess. Wow. Fast forward all the way to there and things just got more intense and more intense and more intense. 
And it's tough. Like I've, I've definitely talked to people about this since I've left and stuff. And, and the one thing people are always just like, why wouldn't you just leave? Right. But what I've come to realize is what you believe is what you'll act out. Right. And that's why I think scripture is so important. It's, it's, I literally believed I was in the right place yeah. and I was willing to do whatever it took to stay there when I had that belief. So when you were there, were there, were there any conflicts ever? Like would you, you would read your Bible mm-hmm. and then you would see some of the things happening. And was, was there ever a time where you just thought, yeah, this is not matching up or this is not making sense? Yeah. It's the group, it's the group dynamic though. Again, it's, yeah. it's so things that came where if you're ever having doubts, it's Satan coming to try and take you out of this okay. place. Or if you're ever having doubts, talk to your sponsor, talk to your friends about it. Don't just let, don't just sit on these things and let them fester. Right. Talk about it. So if we were to have doubts about certain things, we might talk to a friend or most likely we'd talk to our sponsor, who's our one person. Yeah. And, and off the start, the sponsor thing was great. You'd have somebody to talk to, but what slowly happened over time was it became like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. And so it was said, like, if, if a sponsor hears something and they can't handle what they heard pass it upline. Right. Well, upline it went straight to stand, and right. then you'd end up in the in the hot seat, so to speak. So there was times where you're sitting in a meeting, and all of a sudden, Stan just says, "Front row out," and five people in the front row would stand up, go stand in the hallway, and he'd just say, "Terry, Jackie," you know, Whatever. yeah, you know, and we'd come sit down in the middle. Our sponsors would sit on each side of you, and and then he might just start talking for like 10, 15, 20. It could be an hour. Like our meetings, we 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 met on a Sunday morning at nine and did not go home till eleven at night. And like, when he, when there's this going on, what's the orientation around scripture? Like, is it they're bringing up scripture to talk to you about that? Like, here's your behavior. Here's where it goes against scripture. Thanks a lot. You're a horrible human being. Or is it just, um, hey? I don't agree with this. So you're going to get screamed at for the next 25 minutes because this is a, a group thing that we, that we value together. Like was there ever orientation around scripture for that? Or was it just, I don't like this or the group we've decided not to do this. So there you go. No, scripture is always, always used in some, some way, shape or form. So, so for example, if somebody were to, Wow, that's terrible. My daughter got, and Jackie made, uh, Alex and Jackie made uh, ankle bracelets one time. Sure. And um, they had made them and then then both wore them. And it yeah. got seen on a Sunday or something and ended up getting chastised about that. And so then that's when the scripture in the Old Testament about wearing bracelets came up. So there would be that. It's okay. like, this is not good. Then we go to that scripture. It, right. it was, yeah. And scripture was used, I would say, if not 100% of the time, it would be 90% of the time. Right. In any any chastisement, there was scripture to back it up, so to speak. So for the, for the person in the group, lots of times it was hard to debate the fact that what, uh, what they were saying against you wasn't true. Because oh, sure. here, here are the scriptures, we're going to you know, line them up. This is why what you're doing is wrong, essentially. For sure. Yeah. And if you were to even start to question that way, you wouldn't go very far down that road where right. you'd be chastised again and your motivation for that would be questioned. Right. And and when we, 
like as time went on, when I did start, like some things were getting a little overboard. Sure, sure. There was a lot of like conspiracy theory stuff coming in, yeah. and I remember my dad questioning. So, so what? What really kind of set the wheels in motion, so to speak, was in like two thousand and eight ish. I think we were we had met out in Purdue at because some people were from out of town, yeah. so we met out at Purdue, and. There was never like that many thus saith, saith the Lord type things. Sure. As time went on, uh, the group, what would you say, belief was that Stan was an apostle okay. and a prophet. And he didn't name himself that. It would be people saying that that's, that's what he was. Um, and so we l- literally believed that what he said came from God. Right. And we were out at Purdue and, and, you know, there was requirement and it was always talked about too, that the bar is constantly being raised. Yeah. So there's this, the requirement is, is going to be more, the longer you're here or the longer you're not a Christian, so to speak, but the longer you're, you're in this ministry, mm-hmm. the bar will constantly be raised. And I right. remember it was often even around new years. It's like the, you know, God's showing us that the bar is going to be raised. Right. And he didn't necessarily know what that meant. Right, but you just knew. Oh, things are going to get intense here. Yeah, right? that, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what what does that mean exactly? The bar is going to get raised. But I'm I'm assuming what you're saying is, uh, like, when it comes to standards of living, expectations around ministry stuff, involvement, all those things, like the bar is going to be raised because we're doing stuff for the kingdom, essentially. Yeah, the requirement is going to increase. Yeah. So, like when we first went, uh, there was no smartphones back then. Sure. But I remember when texting started. So people are texting, and then all of a sudden. Texting is not okay. Right. Starbucks became not okay. I got a Starbucks coffee right here. You're so fancy. That's, that is. And, uh, but anyway, Starbucks became not okay. Lululemon, going to Walmart. Yeah. The devil. Yeah. Like yeah, all these different all things. And, and there would be a long teaching behind every single one. Right. And when I just rattle them off like that, people are like, that's come on now. But what you don't know is that we, we may be just in talking about maybe Walmart, not going to Walmart, there could be like 20 hours of teaching behind that. Wow. That we were sitting there for, like we would sit down and we would, Stan could talk for four hours. Wow. And and honestly, he, he, he's well-spoken and you could listen for four hours and sure. it would actually go by pretty quick. Sure. Uh, but we were just in that frame of mind and we're all, and then even when, when a meeting was over, you were to debrief about the meeting. Like you talk about it. Wow. You don't just, my dad would get in trouble over and over because he would go up and talk about harvest or something like, or the weather and somebody, and then what, what would happen is people feel guilty, right? right? And so people start to tell on one another. So, and it would be like, if you see your brother sinning, are you just going to leave him? Or do you care enough about him to help him? Hmm. So by helping him, you'll tell your sponsor, you'll tell somebody, well, then next Sunday or next Wednesday meeting or whenever it is, front row out. And that person will get called up to the front and they go sit down and you're sitting there and you're like, oh no, he's going to get it bad. Or if I was ever in the front, I'm like, this could be really bad. And I mean, you're just living in fear all the time. A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah, a lot lot of the time. But to a man... Everybody there would not say that. Right. If somebody would ask us, like, why do you go so often or whatever? I love it. It's the best place I've ever been. These friends are amazing. 
a lot of that was true. Like sure. our friends yeah, were yeah. amazing. It was you a know? Good community. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, in Purdue back then, all of a sudden we're at this meeting and my dad was a farmer. Yeah. Um, and owned land and and all of a sudden, thus saith the Lord, farmers sell your land. Okay. And I remember wow. sitting in there and my first thoughts go to my dad, right? Because in that group, nobody had, you know, he's got the most land. There's some other guys there. And I just, I didn't know what that's going to look like. And and honestly, cowardly speaking, I was just like, I'm just glad it's not me that has yeah. to make this decision, right? Yeah. And that, a lot of the time that was it. It's just like, and out of the people there, I got in trouble a lot. Go figure. That, that, that Does that is, shock you? That is surprising. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so when it wasn't me, it's sad to say this now, but but it would almost be like, I'm just glad it's not me A today. Relief, yeah. And uh, so I remember on the way home, Stan came to the vehicle when we were driving away from Purdue and he's just like, so Ron, what did you think about, about today? And uh, <laughs> my dad in, in typical dad fashion, oh yeah, it was good. You know, and sure. we just carried on home. Well, my dad held out and he never did sell his land. Yeah. But over and over, other guys did. Other guys sold their stuff. Yeah. Um, other guys moved closer to Saskatoon. And uh, and dad never did. And up until that point, my dad had been left alone pretty much. Like he, he came and went to meetings. He did not get yelled at very often. Sure. He did not receive chastisement very much. But from that point on, the switch flipped. Right. And... I remember meeting after meeting my dad getting absolutely lambasted right. and getting called to the front. I remember him being so mad he did charge the front and like where Stan was wow. talking and they were face to face. And But at that point, Stan knew everything about us because we'd talked openly about everything, sure. right? Sure. And he knew that my grandpa had passed away when my dad was was about my age and... Yeah, it was tough on my dad, and they had sure. a farm together and whatever. And he knew that that was something that was still hurting my dad. And so dad comes flying up to the front, and and really, what are you going to do? Like, right. you got the whole group thinking, this is nuts. What are you doing? Why would you go to the front when there's a prophet and apostle up there? Yeah. And all Stan had to do was bring up my grandpa. And just like oh, that, wow. he's like, see how angry you are? It's because you haven't dealt with your dad, the death of your dad, which made my dad just crumble and go back to his seat and wow. he knew that about all of us right yeah he had all of he had all of the the information on everybody yeah that he could just go at because yeah because we were very open and off the start because we we literally wanted to grow sure. and that's what we thought would help us grow and i think what what started off as you know praise and worship and prayer like that i mean in and of itself is is not a bad thing but i, I think like the establishment of a childhood that wasn't maybe necessarily grounded in the scriptures, mm -hmm. um, you know, the way that the way that's healthy and good to see them. And then to have this experience where like now you're in this group uh, for 13 years, it's your whole life and there's lots of scripture, but it's all used out of context. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you've gone the, you've gone the gamut on, on scripture. So then, so then like walk, walk us through how you left. Okay. So that, that went on. My dad held strong for like six, probably six years of that going on. Yeah. And it was stressful. And all of a sudden, um, some of these more 
stranger teachings, would I say, the conspiracy theory stuff would would be said. And my dad was one guy who was like, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he would bring that up, right? Yeah. In, which is not good in that context. Yeah. And, and I remember hearing him and I would be like, yeah, that, is, that does sound That's weird. Yeah. And something happened on a Saturday. We would go, so we would, we would work all Saturdays together. We would spend all Sundays together. We would have Tuesday night meetings together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have Thursday night meetings. So you're four wow. days a week, all day Saturdays, working, building stuff. So one of the guys that had sold his land got placed outside of the city and we'd work out there on a Saturday. Wow. And dad comes out there one Saturday to help and, and basically gets into it with Stan. Stan calls him out on something. Dad basically gets mad back and that's it. He's out and he gets the boot. Wow. Uh, called put in the wilderness and so he was sent into the wilderness in may of 2015 and and that was it he w- he wasn't able to talk to us guys anymore he could only talk to his sponsor stan he basically needed to it was never said it was about the land or anything sure. but he just needed to repent for right. for and he was out so that whole summer um i describe it like my dad was kind of the governor like a governor on an engine yep that held it back him being there things picked up steam then yeah so we're talking now no kids in sports starting it was right. never said for sure it was kind of always implied right but a lot of kids were still doing swimming or different sports or whatever and then in june of that year no sports yeah and i got in big trouble for that one because my kids were playing sports uh then then it was always said stuff like someday we may not be able to go to family gatherings or things like that right because it's getting so intense and then all of a sudden the the hammer kind of fell down on that. Uh, Jackie and her sister were at her parents' place on a in July, and uh, so emergency meetings started getting called too. This is years ago, right? So we wouldn't know when a meeting was. We'd get a meeting called, and it's like there's going to be a meeting in two hours. It's going to be the most important meeting there's ever been, right? And so we'd all drop what we're doing and head in. And so a meeting was called, but it wasn't an emergency one. It was just like, oh, if you can make it, you make it. It's going to be in two hours or whatever, right? And and people are you're always afraid because you don't know. Sometimes you'll do something, you'll get in trouble for it. And sometimes you won't mm-hmm. like, you just never know. And so Jackie calls me from Lloyd Minster and she's like, a meeting. Should we just come? We're about to go for supper with my family. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're a couple hours away. By the time you get here, you're going to miss some anyway. And you hardly see your family anymore. Just go for supper. Yeah. So, and we used to be able to hook up on the phone when you're not there. Yeah. And so I said, just hook up on the phone. So I go to the meeting that night and they're hooking people up on the phone like they normally do. And somebody says, oh, we're going to hook Jackie and Victory up on the phone. And Stan just says, no, don't hook them up. And in my head right away, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. I'm going to get it. I'm (laughs) I'm in trouble. Yeah. And uh, but nothing happened that night. Yeah. Nothing went on. It was I forget the night of the week. But then two days later, a meeting was called again, which wasn't, you know, if you have a couple right back to back, there's probably something going on. I remember saying to Jackie on the way in, I'm like, this is not going to be good at all. And sure enough, in that meeting, we sit down, we're actually outside and Stan just starts slowly talking about everything. And he never yelled or anything that night, but just one by one, he got people like my sister to come up and talk about me and, Mm. and what she's been concerned about in our life and other people. And, and it was just like a three hour event of just like slow motion kind of being talked about with all our friends and you know right Right. in front of us it's not like behind our back but and 
And I went home from that night and I was just like, this is, what the heck? Well, now fast, it wasn't over though. A few days later, we have a Sunday meeting and all of a sudden I'm sitting there just like normal stands talking about something and he just starts just lambasting me about my job as a man and I should have told, you know. Wow. And, and uh, all of a sudden he calls me up to the front. So I go stand there and I, I am like a limp goose. I'm just sitting there and, and I'm not really, I don't know, after a while being yelled at that much or those sort of things, it's, you just kind of become immune. Like mm-hmm. it's still scary sometimes, but, yeah. and I'm just standing there and Stan is like right nose to nose with me. I forget all what he's yelling. And then all of a sudden, like I'm not reacting. Right. And so he reaches out and just grabs me by the collar and just yanks me. He's a big guy, like 300 pounds or whatever. Big guy used to fight in professional hockey, but um, and he grabbed me and I, cause I was limp my head and he, it was an unintentional headbutt, and, uh, pretty hard. And the crazy thing is that's the summer of 2015 and we didn't leave until January, 2016. Mm-hmm. And you'd think, why would you not leave? How could you let that happen? Um, but it's just leaving meant leaving everything it meant leaving my world it meant leaving my family it meant leaving my friends and and so that fall carried on and my dad was still in the wilderness and this had gone on and and things were getting crazier and and we're we're building this this building called the house of prayer and we're not seeing our kids anymore like we started in that fall i was going to work at like i would go to work i'd get up at like four in the morning i'd drive out to work i'd work my eight hours or whatever because and get done as early as I can. I would drive straight back to, I live in Delisle, drive straight back there and then stop there for supper quick and go out there, work till midnight, building this thing, go back to bed, get up at four, day after day after day after day. And then eventually Stan was like, what, you know, why are guys stopping at home? We should just make meals and bring them out here. So then eventually now I'm driving right past my house, yeah. going straight out there from work and I'm not seeing my kids and and back when we lived on the farm, I even though I was part of the group, I wasn't with them every day because we were farther away. And it was my kids starting to say, Dad, can we move back home? Can we move back to the farm? Wow. Because they're not seeing me. And all that's eaten at me. And and some other events happen or whatever. And, and my dad, is he's hurting. And he's in my sure. garage. And he's talking to me. And, and he's bothered because he's not seeing any of the guys. And, and all this is going on. And then all of a sudden in October... I get maybe late September, October, another one of the guys gets chastised and he gets put in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And then at the next meeting out of the blue, all of a sudden I get put in the wilderness and I didn't know why for sure. And it wasn't really said why I, there was an incident that had happened earlier where I got called out for being (laughs) whatever being sarcastic and, and stuff. You? Yeah, go figure. That's, I can't believe that. And uh, But I had apologized for that. Sure. And so I had wondered if that's why I got kicked out, but I didn't know yeah. or put in the wilderness. So now I'm out for a month, and my dad is basically, he's a pretty funny guy. So he he just, he said, ah, you'll get used to it <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> and uh, he's like, let's just finish your front yard. So dad and I just worked together sure. for that month. We finished yeah. the front yard. and But every day I'd get a call from my sponsor. And it'd be like, so do you know why you're in the wilderness yet? Because I'm supposed to search my soul, basically confess anything that I can think of. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. And this went on and on day after day until finally 
I, I broke. Um, not to him, but I was driving home from work one one night, and and I I didn't know which way was up anymore, and I was tired, and I didn't know how we got to here. Like how how did we end up here? And I'm driving home from work, and I'm bawling, mm-hmm. like just driving by myself. And I pulled over on the side of the road, and I'm still just bawling. And I jumped a fence. I went down the pasture. I hit my knees, and I'm just bawling. And and I didn't know if God was real or not, yeah. to be honest. And I called out to him, and I, yeah, I didn't know. And and it was really hard to think then. It was it was really tough. Everything was tough to to figure out which way was up and. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden, I just quit crying. I'm not saying anything crazy happened or whatever. Just yeah. and the sun was setting, and it and it was like I don't know, maybe something happened. I don't know what just happened, but and I hopped back in my truck and drove home. Yeah. And so I would get my call the next day, and like usual, and and the guy said, "So has anything happened?" Blah blah blah. And for one time in my life, I was just like, "No. If if he hears from God, I'm not going to tell him anything happened. If something actually happened or I had a breakthrough or whatever it is, mm-hmm. he'll know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say anything. But I'm not overly patient. So I waited like seven, ten days, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then one day I decided I'm just going to tell him, but I'm not going to tell him when this happened. I'm just going to mention it. And if I get called back, I'm going to be choked because this happened seven to ten days ago. And if God is actually real and he actually talks to him, then he would have heard, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I told him my sponsor and and then sure enough i get a phone call the next day and wow. you know i just felt like like it it'd be okay if you came back and so i went back so that kind of and so then all of a sudden it's just like my eyes were open i started paying attention i started to see inconsistencies and i started to notice things that were going on i started to ask guys questions and and they would look at me like i had three heads and and then i started to hear from other guys, different concerns that they had. And and I'm thinking about all these things and I'm driving along one day and I just Googled, I stopped and just Googled on my phone, can a good church become a cult? And this five part video popped up and, and it recommended a couple books. One was Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse by Jeff Van Vonderen. Mm-hmm. And one was Toxic Faith and another one was Kingdom of the Cults. And so I I could never get caught with a book like that. Or sure. I, you know, you so I, a lot of trouble. I downloaded it on my phone and and read subtle power of spiritual abuse and and as i'm reading it i was just like this is literally us and then i read toxic faith and same thing then jackie i'm starting to talk to jackie about this and there'd been teachings there that if you left that place you know all these terrible things would happen right Right. jackie and i would get divorced and our kids could get sick i could get hit by a semi like all these crazy things Mm. and uh so I'm talking about this stuff to Jackie and she's, she, to, you know, she never told me, but six months later after we left, she told me like she was petrified. Sure. She thought something was going to happen to her, or the yeah. kids or whatever. And she's at home praying and she's just like, God, if Terry's off his rocker, like, please have Stan say something to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, but she read those things. She read that one book and then she found a book called Twisted Scriptures. And <laughs> she, she called me one day. She's like, I think you should read this. And uh, so read that one, and that one was like, literally the scriptures they talked about in that book are the same scriptures we read. It's the exact same context. It's the exact same, like everything was word for word, and there's all these other groups out there like this. 
And so my mind was starting to be blown and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And my dad was still out. So some things had happened. I called my dad up one day and I just said, Hey, what would you say? I didn't know who to talk to, right? I can't talk to anybody because we've learned now that we don't refer to churches as churches. We refer to them as the OR, organized religion. Right. Everybody other than us is organized religion. So we cut off that space. Yep. I can't talk to anybody on the inside, obviously, or I'm going to be in the hot seat. Yeah, you'll be in the wilderness again. Yeah, Yeah. or worse. And so I called my dad up and I just said, hey, dad, uh, this might sound crazy, but what would would you think if I told you I'm, I'm thinking about leaving Lamb of God? And I expected maybe some support. Like, I didn't know. Mm. And he's like, I would tell you not to do it. And I said, why? And he's like, you don't want to live like this. Like, with, you know, because he was basically put in a mini little purgatory, right? Right. And uh, and so then I, I really didn't know. And, and I, uh, one night I had said to Jackie, and, and I look back now and I just think it's so funny because even this weak, pathetic prayer that I had, I still somehow had to include <laughs> stand in it and i threw out a a fleece like i'd heard about this way back and so we'd looked up that scripture about a fleece and i remember laying there in bed that night and i'm i don't know what weighs up anymore i can't tell if i'm crazy or and so i just prayed god if you know and with jackie if if uh if we should leave uh, we have Stan say something tomorrow about having our kids or other parents' kids taken away from them. And up mm-hmm. to them, I'd never heard, up till then, I'd never heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there in a meeting and and it goes on three whatever hours and, and literally I'm sitting there, Jackie's at home because our kids were sick and she's on the phone and all of a sudden Stan's talking about whatever, like some current event and he just stops out of nowhere and he's like, if you're not all careful, you'll all end up having your kids taken away from you well, you know, by child services or whatever like just out of the blue yeah and i remember sitting there and trying not to flinch because he can tell if you flinch right and and i went straight out to the vehicle when the meeting was done and i called jackie and before i even said anything she's like did you hear that and then right away of course because i'm a chicken i'm like oh yeah do you think it was exactly like i had and she's like terry that's exactly what you said last night and so then at that point it was like and i i I would never recommend that to anybody. I don't yeah. think that's the way to go about life. <laughs> but, but, but it was just the weak, for terrible you, point for you I was at. That at. Point, that's yeah. all I had. And so, so then the weekend after we had went for Christmas or something soon after to Jackie's parents, and the first person outside of Lamb of God that I ever told about what goes on in there was her brother, yeah. Blaine. And I remember asking to go for. I said, I need to pick something up in Lloydminster, going for a drive. We drove all the way to Lloyd from their ranch, which was half an hour. I still hadn't said anything because yeah. I was petrified. And then on the way home, I'm finally like, I just got to do this. So I just started talking to him about everything that goes on there. I'm crying or whatever, just being a, a baby and bawling about it while I talk. And we got back to their ranch and he just kept on driving. Yeah. He wasn't stopping. And and they'd been concerned for years, of sure. course, and yeah. I'm sure other people had. But yeah. but. When I started to actually talk about it and open up about it, it just kind of broke the whole power over it all. And and so we we made the decision when we were going to leave. My dad knew, but he was the only one. He asked me not to do it before Christmas because he said it'll destroy our family mm-hmm. if I leave. And he was right. And then he was going to a trip to Jamaica and he asked me to wait till they were done so that it wouldn't ruin their trip. And when they were back, we I made my phone calls to my friends and 
and let them know. And, and basically that is the day I lost all those friends pretty wow. much. And, uh, so within the next month or two of leaving, it was crazy. Like we made the decision to leave. Everything was whatever. It wasn't okay. It w- but I woke up the next day and I was literally afraid of everything. Yeah. And I was afraid that I was going to get hit by semi. I was afraid of so many things. And Stan started sending me the odd email reminding me of all the good times there or different right. things. And kind of draw you back in. Yeah. And talking about our family meeting with him. A bunch of guys wanted to come meet with us. My in-laws stayed with us for like two weeks. Hmm. Uh, Jackie got called to meet with people. And then uh, the real separation point was Cade was turning six, I think. And we had a birthday party and those were our friends. And yeah. so we, we made a decision. We're just going to invite them and hope for the best. And so we invited them all to Cade's birthday at Apex. And, and we got an email back from them as a group mm-hmm. that they would not. We sent individual emails, obviously, to all our friends. Right. And we got an email back as a group that they wouldn't attend. And, uh, but they'd like to meet with us with some of their concerns or whatever. And I just said, no, like we're going to have your tickets and if you could come, we'd love it or whatever. Yeah. And, and I remember going to that birthday party and we had one friend from Delal and, and that was it, which was good that it wasn't all our family or everybody probably would have been balling, but, and we had all these eight tickets or nine tickets or whatever for these kids and, and nobody showed. I remember at home that night and, and going to bed and hearing four kids in four different rooms crying. Wow. And I remember getting the, the whole crew together in one room and and sitting down and talking we read through the story of of uh peter betraying jesus and then jesus coming back and when he told them to throw the net over and they caught all the fish and then him cooking the breakfast Mm -hmm. and uh and up to that point this sounds crazy but we never read the bible to our kids because we were afraid that the religious spirit that we had would get passed down to them right. and basically let Stan teach her kids for us. Oh. And yeah, and that, and that was the night we talked about that. And I just said, you know, that's what Jesus did for Peter and was what Peter did worse than missing a birthday party, you know, because he had, and I said, it's going to be a tough run here. And the kids didn't really understand it. And, sure. But that's kind of, we just need to remember that. And yeah, and a lot like, a lot of things happened there after I, I remember my mom bringing us over to their place in the weeks to come and being right in my face and screaming at me that I'm going to stand before God in judgment. And if I speak anything that's gone on at Lamb of God, that our family's going to stand in judgment and the kids being talked to by other kids that on their way to school about their family's not going to stand before God in judgment. But because that was a big thing at Lamb mm-hmm. of God, right, is that someday we'll all stand before God and and that those of us who were, it was never said by being there, but all of a sudden when we left, that seems like it was the case. And the kids yeah. would hear on the way to school that our family's going to stand before God in judgment and these other kids weren't. And wow. so that's, that's, it was an ugly scene in leaving anyway. And that's, sure. that's kind of how we left, I guess. So now what's your relationship like with the Bible? Uh, I mean, cause it's been, Three years. Uh, I know you started attending Elam yeah, about three years ago, uh, and 
I, I'm sure coming was probably very off-putting uh, <laughs> at, at, at first. Like when you when you live in this world for 13 years and you're told that you know the the uh, everything else is the OR, the you know mm-hmm. this organized religion, then you're you're showing up to the doorstep of a church. Um, so w- what's that process been like, and and how do you how do you actually interact with the Bible now? So when we left, one of the things my mom had said to me in that meeting, leaving our exit meeting, so to speak, was, what are you going to do? Just go to some church? And I remember <laughs> even when it was said out loud, we all just paused and it was silent because saying it out loud, it was like, oh. it didn't sound very good. Yeah. Oh. So, but I know like Jackie and I, we both grew up in Christian homes. Yeah. We still, even though we didn't really know what was what, we still wanted to, like, we didn't just want to turn our backs on God or, or walk away from it or... Mm-hmm. I like I really wanted to understand. That's that's where my head went at went to and and so I think we waited maybe two weeks and we tried our local church, which is a small church. Yep. We went there and our kids were half of the kids that okay. were there. Yeah. Sure. And and everybody was really nice, but we were very wounded and it, we got a lot of attention the first week. Like, I mean, uh, that's what happens when you have a dozen children. Yeah. <laughs> we only have four kids. Yeah. So, oh, uh, sorry. I apologize. Okay. And. Uh, and so then we we're like, oh, okay, that was nice, but we can't do that. So yeah. then we came to the city, and we tr- we went to Elam, and then we went to another bigger church, yeah. and that was it. Was just like we need to blend in yeah. somewhere. Yeah, sure. And I remember we kind of church hopped, and it was actually one day we we drove home, and my little guy Cade, who was six, he just said, um, "Dad, when are we going to pick a church so I can make some friends yeah. again?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, out of the mouth of babes, I guess. Yeah. And and it was like, okay, good point. We need to just pick one. So yeah. out of the ones that we had went to, I ran into an old friend at Elam yeah. um, uh, from Karenport. And so we decided to go there. But when we, we first came, like it was everything horrific that I had heard. It yeah, was just sure. like the lights at the front, right? It's yeah. a show. <laughs> and it's uh, people aren't aren't as faithful. I see people on their cell phones during the service, like sure. all these things. And, and I now realize like how full of judgment I was or whatever. But at the time I was just, it was just, I don't know. It was like being shown in the face with a bright sure. light. You yeah, didn't know absolutely. what was up. And I remember sitting there and, and just, I'd sit there and, and there's sometimes I'd grab the armrests and I'd almost be like ripping them off. I'm just like pulling on them and Jackie would notice that I'm totally tense and I'm just yanking on them and she just put her hand on my forearm or whatever and just like settle. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, uh, but the things that I started to notice and I started to talk to my uncle and and my uncle said this to me one time. So after we left, eventually people had heard and some people were helpful and reached out. So I finally had people to talk to. Yeah. And I'm talking about this, this struggle I'm having right at, at Elam. And it was my uncle that said, he brought up the scripture about, like in the Beatitudes there, about even if, like, it's not if you murder someone, but even if you think about, right? right like right. the sin and is take in Take care us. of your anger. Yeah. Right. So, so he had mentioned like, yeah, but if you were sitting there before and you wanted to do these things that you see that are bothering you or whatever, even if you wanted to do them, you're no better. Yeah. And... And there was one particular, sorry if whoever this person is, but there's one particular person I saw on her phone one time and I'm fully judging her, right? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I see that now, but at the time I'm just totally bothered. And this, and she, yeah, anyway. And so I'd been talked to 
by my uncle about this. And then it just so happened that same person is near me again, sitting there and that same service, all of a sudden I see her and she's, she's up and she is like fully praising God. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just all hit me and I started just bawling and realizing how judgmental I was and, and realizing that I have no idea what's going on in that woman's life. Right. And I have no idea. She could have had a kid sick at home yeah. that she was texting to see if he's okay. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where it kind of started. It was that Sunday, all of a sudden realizing, okay, like everything is not what I, I thought it was. I need to start over. I need to give people some grace here and I need to just worry about myself at this yeah. point and, and deconstruct. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that's what really happened. So, so during this time I was like a ball of stress. I was a mess and, uh, my back was out. I was totally tight. I would go to massage and they'd be like, oh, we can't even, they'd yeah. say to my wife after I left, like, there's something wrong with him. I can't even get through his whole body's tight. Yeah. And, uh, so I would spend nights and I would, I would just lay in the tub at night in a hot bath cause I was hurting so bad. And, uh, just from all the stress of it all. And I would just, we, we read the Bible, but we really focused on the old Testament a lot. Right. Um, which probably isn't surprising, but, but I hadn't really read the new Testament other than memorizing verses. Mm -hmm. Like I did lots of verses, but not really read through. Right. And, and I was desperate. Like I was desperate, desperate. So I would lay in the tub and I would just read. And then I went through, like I'm super upbeat usually. I've never, I have no idea what depression would feel like for the most part of my whole life. I'm pretty spoiled that way. But, but all of a sudden I, I hit the skids yep. and I'm in a dark, dark place and, and I don't know what to do. So lots of times I'm in the bathroom and I, I'm just reading through the New Testament. Just mm -hmm. start at the front and go and just reading and reading and reading. And, and then I'm on the, you know, I'm done with the tub and get dressed and sit down on the bathroom floor and just keep reading and reading and Jackie would, you know, after a while, she'd come in and she's like, are you okay? Because, you know, you're not upbeat. Like, what's wrong with you? And mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I just kept reading and reading and reading. And and when I read it as a full story or yep. however you'd say that, yep. it's just like stuff would start jumping out at me and right. whatever. And then and I remember when I hit the book of Romans or I got, I think I went all the way through. I stopped. I didn't bother with Revelation. I wasn't quite ready for mm -hmm, Revelation. Mm -hmm. But I went through all the epistles and everything, and then I went back to Romans. And, and as I started with Romans, it was just like my entire Christian faith was being totally deconstructed and reconstructed wow. in the book of Romans for Very me. Cool. And, and I describe it to people like if what, what I was in for 13 years, if you wake up one day and all of a sudden somebody tells you, like if you're a Christian, somebody tells you that Jesus actually never came to the earth yeah. and, and can say it in a way that actually you fully believe it. So your entire faith. So my entire foundation was totally bulldozed yeah. and which leaves me just flailing. But then all of a sudden getting back to Romans and it being like starting to be reconstructed. And I remember talking to Jackie about it and she started, I would listen to it on Bible on CD or listen to it on MP3 or whatever mm -hmm. on the way to work and back. And, and I just couldn't even believe all this stuff was in Romans. And it's like, I had never read it before. And and then Jackie would call me and she's like, are you listening to Romans? And I'd say, yeah. She'd say, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and, and it was, and so that's, and that, and then that continued. And, and then I became really interested in like the Bible yeah. and really interested in like 
because the more I would read, the more like I became a Christian. I was told that Jesus came, he died for my sins. Yep. But when I would start to see the Bible in context or see it, this whole picture, it would become more and more amazing every time I read something. Mm-hmm. But, but still I was kind of messed up when I, I had seen on the screen one day about an Elam 201. And that's where I met you. Yep. Unfortunately for yourself. And, what? uh, and so I saw Elam 201. It was, it was a great day for me. Yes, right? I'm sure it was. It was. It was. Um, so I went to my first Elam 201 class, yep. and that's when I started keeping you there until 10 at night yeah. after every class. Yeah. And uh, and I remember hearing about historical grammatical content. And I had went to Bible school. Yeah. The other part that's interesting is I had actually taken a cults class in Bible school. Amazing. Apparently I did not pay attention. Well, you know. Um but anyway, so <laughs> it happens. It I happens. learned about this, and that's when you had mentioned Precept Austin, that website yep. that you mentioned on the weekend. Yep. So this is back in the fall of 2016 now. Yep. And I went home, and I go in on that website, and I'm just like, okay. Here we go. This is not okay. Yeah. There's way too much on here, and I don't even know what's going on. So I came back the next week. Yeah. Because you said each of us go look at this or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'd mentioned one one uh one place to go with sermons or whatever uh, that are on there so I could listen while I'm driving. Yeah. And it was the first time I really recognized what exegetical preaching Pretty is. Sure like awesome. actually and I'm sure the church I was in as a kid probably did this, but obviously I didn't pay attention. And all of a sudden I just hearing things and and I I found that every time the Bible was opened up in context to me, made Jesus even more amazing. Yeah. And the fact that God actually sent him. And and when I started to actually see, like, the Old Testament wasn't just this this book of laws. Yeah. Or but or the first time I read that like the law was there to provoke us to sin, right? Or to show us our sin. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there to make us Amazing. It's like when you tell a kid, don't write on the wall. Yeah. He's going to write on the wall. Yeah. It's, it's to prove to you, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But we had taken it totally the other way totally. where it's like, here's the laws. Let's do, do it. Yeah. You know, we're going to be perfect. And, <laughs> and you'd think you'd figure it out when you fail a hundred times, but Israel didn't. No. And then I find myself in the exact same boat and, and all of a sudden realizing that, that this entire story from beginning to end like i'd never knew about the scripture right in the beginning of genesis about where um he would step on his head but bite his heel or whatever that that's yeah. referencing jesus like with yeah. the serpent crush his head yeah crush and like things like that the more i would hear it and or get into isaiah for the first time and realizing how many prophecies speak ahead to jesus to jesus or all these things and the more and more i did it like read the Bible or learned these things or whatever, or heard things in context, it just, I don't know how to explain it. It just changed everything. That's awesome. And yeah. And then, then starting to, and then all of a sudden realizing I got four kids at home Yeah. and I have been very poor up to this point in their lives of actually leading them in any particular direction. And and that's when we first came across that the Bible Project or yeah. whatever. I was just going to ask you because I, I know you're a big fan of the Bible Project. So yeah. uh, Precept Austin, the Bible Project, anything else that you use for yourself that actually helps you? Fo- like, is there an app? Do you use an app? Um, or are you a paper, paper no, Bible guy? I, no, I'm not. I 
I would often find sermons in that precept Austin. Yeah. I'm not a big into rah-rah sermons. Like I don't like the whole, I like exegetically. Like I like just hearing. You, you just want verse by verse. That, <laughs> I that's do. all your word. I want to know word. context and whatever. I don't get too jacked up about. You don't want the hoop and no, the holler. You that, don't want the, the devil is a liar. You, you, you don't want those I ones? I have no idea no. what you're saying, but okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want any of that. Um, hey, favor ain't fair. Okay. This is. So, so it would be things like that. Yeah. It would be, or, uh, you, that one book, uh, Tim Keller, Tim Keller. Yeah. You'd but, mentioned there on Sunday. I remember I would notice that one week after week after week, Marv would always mention this one Keller, guy, Tim yeah. Keller. And so then I just went home and, and so I had his podcast and listening to his sermons and I'm an, I'm a super nerd that way. So, so Keller podcast. So the Redeemer church podcast. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it goes back to 2010, I think is Very where cool. it started and yeah. Just hammer three years at a time on that. And, and uh, I, what I what I don't know if people know about C.S. Lewis is, or uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, Tim Keller, is that he, some people coin him as like the modern day C.S. Lewis. Like he just has a way with words, knows how to kind of get to your head, uh, go from your head to your heart. So I, I appreciate Keller. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be things like that. Or MacArthur. MacArthur. Yeah. That was the one in Precept Austin that, and he, he actually has an app, Grace to You app that I use. And, and so lots of times, because I've, I've had all these misteachings about certain scriptures mm-hmm. and, and I call them triggers, but all of a sudden I'll have something will happen during the day and something will trigger and it'll be something that I heard like eight years ago sure. that it might mess with my head or whatever. And so then I can go in there, find the scripture and there will be a sermon because he, he literally has preached his way through yeah, the whole yeah. Bible oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's good. and he can really, yeah. And he breaks it down. And so I would listen to things like that just yeah. to kind of get those things straight. But we started going through, because even with the kids, it's like, where do I even start? You yeah. know, and how do I not mess them up? And I don't want to. The other thing is I don't want to go from ditch to ditch. Like, I don't want to be hurt by one thing yeah. and then rush to the other ditch and try and do the opposite. Right. Yeah. I don't want to take because we came from such a harsh teaching where where we're chastised and all that stuff. I don't want to all of a sudden now think that it's just free reign either. And I don't want to start teaching that, you know, Jesus is a license to or a get out of jail free card or yeah. whatever. Right. Like I want it in context. Yeah. I don't want to go run from legalism to licentiousness is the word, right? Like this idea of grace is just this license to do whatever. So, um, okay. Last, last thing, how would you encourage somebody who, hasn't who who might have who might be where you were as a younger uh, teenager, mm-hmm. even in Bible college. What would you say to twenty year old Terry about the Bible if you could speak to him now? Hmm. Um. I would tell myself to pay attention, to be honest, but I I don't know. Like, I think one of the things is we don't. I don't know. I never knew what I was made of until I was tested. Hmm. And I don't think it's like, it's like being a parent, right? You can read all the parenting books in the world and then you become a parent. And the first time your kid tells you that he hates you, you're just like, you little. Yeah. And everything that you learned in every parenting book, all of a sudden goes out the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. And, but the good part about that is when you read those things, it may go out the window for a minute, but then you can remember what you read, yeah. right? And maybe think about it or go back and apologize to your son and realize that you did that totally wrong. And, and for me, that's, that's what the Bible is to me. The, 
the Bible and knowing scripture, like it doesn't mean I'm going to do everything perfect. Sure. And I, and I can't, but it, it grounds me. It keep, it's that straight and narrow, or it's the, like I say, the, the middle road where I don't go from ditch to ditch. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I've described it too. It's like turning a light on, like I got a shed beside my house and I go there in the daytime and I just go there and I open the shed or whatever. But if I've been in the house and I've watched like a scary movie or, or whatever, and I go out there, there's not many lights. Like I swear there's something around the corner. Yeah. And bird box. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't watched that yet, but, but, but that's what it's like to me when I, when I don't know my foundation, when I don't actually know what I believe, I'm, I'm anxious, right? I'm, I suffer from anxiety or not knowing what's around the corner or a situation comes up and, and I just don't have any grounding. And, and for me, that's, that's, that's what it, it means to me to, to actually care enough. If I could go back, I would say just to myself to actually question things, to critically think, to not believe everything that I hear or, uh, when I hear something go back and and to know that this perfect thing is not like to me when I read the Bible, it's the people who became Christians, they suffered like mm. it did not mean that everything was going to be hunky dory. Yeah. And and my tendency when I was younger was when things weren't perfect, I wanted to fix it right away instead of realizing that it's just life and mm. And that's the road that we're on or that's the road I'm on. And sometimes that's just the season that I'm in. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, I, I appreciate it. I think, I think the way you use the Bible now is just very, it's not about using it. It's about understanding that it's what actually helps you to stay level. Well, and if I know what I believe, then I'll be able to live it out because exactly like I, I was talking to somebody at the breakfast on the weekend and I said, <laughs> nothing against vegans, but if you talk to a vegan, try and, we're, try and we're, just wait. We're hitting it all. Fo- follow me here. We're hitting follow it me. We're it's going to be okay. Trust me. It's amazing. No, but try and get a vegan to eat meat. Yeah, sure. You can't do it because no. they believe, they believe. Yeah, sure. right? Yeah, or a vegetarian there. or whatever. I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. But it is way easier to get a Christian to completely bail on their, like when I was 20, all you had to do was tempt me a little bit and maybe mock me some and I could turn it, right? But if I actually believed that what is in the Bible is true mm-hmm. and I believed it to the core of my being and I, it was the foundation of, of how I live my life, you wouldn't be able to convince me to do otherwise yeah. because I believe it. That's good. That's that's what I mean by that. Sorry. No, I, I, I got it. <laughs> I, I got it. I appreciate it. Well, anyway. Thanks so much for uh, for doing this. I appreciate it. I like. I think your story is one that a lot of people, although they might not have fallen into a cult, um, for a lot of people, like the Bible is a scary thing. And folks that come from a, a church background, lots of times, like uh, it's either all an experience, uh, it's how you're feeling, and then there's no grounding for anything that keeps you stable. And so, I think it's very helpful to to have you on the podcast today. So, thanks for doing it. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you're looking for other episodes, please go to elamchurch.podbean.com. You can also go to iTunes and search up Elam Church. We're the first church there. Please click. All of the episodes are available. And if you want to find out anything else about Elam, you can go to elamchurch.ca. Again, thank you for listening. We so appreciate it. See you next week.